Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Greg McCann, who's the CEO of Galliano Gold, formerly a Senko Gold. They are listed on the TSX and the NYSE. Uh, they have a gold mine, a Senko gold mine, in uh, Ghana. It's been a bit of a turnaround story. Greg rejoined the company about a year ago, and has changed the thought process from one of producing ounces to one of producing cash. And that's paid off in huge dividends, literally $65 million. Uh, back to shareholders, and he is looking to sort of develop the company. He's going to do this in two ways. One, reduce the ASIC by 100 bucks. That seems to be part of the plan, so um, take care of what you've got. And the second bit is exploration. He's allocated $10 million to their huge land package. Uh, so we look forward to seeing what that comes up with. Enjoy the podcast. Greg, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us. You're another Vancouver. You're a third Vancouver person today. I, I should have moved there or something. Yes. Well, as you can see, we are uh, sitting back in the office here today. Yeah. So we just started slowly creeping back to some semblance of normal. Well, that's fantastic. Um, good. Well, look, new story for our audience. We were meant to meet in London. Something came up, which meant that we couldn't travel. We won't, we won't mention it. We won't mention the C word. Um, why don't you give us a one-minute overview of the business, and then we'll kind of pick it up from there. Absolutely. So Galliano Gold, Greg McCann, I'm the CEO. Um, we're a producing gold mining company. We operate the Asanko Gold Mine. It's located in Ghana in West Africa. So the mine is a 50-50 joint venture between ourselves and Goldfields, uh, with Galliano as the operator. So we're paid a management fee to operate the joint venture. Now, the mine produced about 250,000 ounces of gold last year at an all-in sustaining cost of around $1,100 an ounce. Uh, we're expecting more of the same this year, and we can talk a little bit more about our guidance as we get into it. Uh, the mine's been in commercial production for about four years. Uh, we built this mine and put it into production back in 2016. Uh, shifting more to the corporate side of things, um, we do trade on both the Toronto Stock Exchange and the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker GAU. Um, I think when we walked into this interview this morning, our market cap was about 250 million US. And uh, we have a reasonable treasury here now. We put together our balance sheet has been repaired, which I'll also get into, I think, over the last year. We're sitting with just about 54 million in cash and no debt. So in reasonable good shape as Galliano Inc. Fantastic. What a summary. That's a perfect summary. Couldn't have done better myself. Um, we always like to kick off with new companies for this audience who are new to uh, your story um, and get a sort of sense of you know, how you've gone about doing this. I mean, um, first of all, we sort of need to mention the name change in case people get confused. That's a, re that's a recent occurrence. We'll, we'll come on to that and the reasons why. But give me a sense of you know, what you originally uh, set out to try and achieve. Okay, So you, you've been in production for four years, but there was a bit to it before that point. So... What, what was the team uh, set out to do? What did you think you'd be able to build? And in, indeed, you know, did, were you able to stick to that plan? Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe I could just give you just a little background on myself and sort of how I got here. And I think that that does help uh, fill in some of the gaps as well. So I'm a metallurgical engineer. Um, I spent the first half of my career mostly working in technical and operational roles, predominantly in base metals, in zinc, uh, nickel, and copper, mostly with a, a, a big Canadian company here, Tech. It was Kaminko and came Tech Kaminko over the years and, and now Tech, um, both in Canada and in Australia. Um, when I uh, started working, my first corporate role was uh, after I completed an MBA and I started working for Placer Dome, which was a 
a big, a big multinational gold mining company here in Vancouver, produced 5 million ounces of gold a year. I was working in corporate development for several years in the early 2000s until we were taken over by Barrick, which is a time when I sort of shifted in 2006 more to working in junior mining. And that's when my career took a little bit of a different turn. I ended up, I found myself as the CFO, uh, if you can believe it, which is an unusual role as a metallurgical engineer. But uh, I found myself as a CFO of a junior mining company called Farallon. Um, we, you know, we raised a couple hundred million dollars. We built a mine in Mexico. Uh, we put that mine into production back in 2008. It was a high ground, high grade underground VMS deposit. And uh, we ended up selling that company to Nearstar, the world's largest zinc uh, producer back in uh, late 2010. And so from there, I, I moved on to become the CFO of what is, is effectively now, uh, now Galliano. So I originally, the company was called Keegan Resources. Uh, we were an exploration stage company when I joined there back in early 2011. Um, we were able to put together a merger with an Australian company called PMI, which we then changed the name of the company to Asanko Gold. Uh, we built what's now the Asanko Gold Mine. We raised uh, several hundred million dollars to do that put the mine into production and started commercial production in first quarter of 2016. And you know, after a year of, uh, of operating the mine, I actually left the company and uh, I had an opportunity to become a CEO. And so you know, one of the reasons that I became a CFO in the first place uh, was I thought it would be a good pathway to eventually to be able to run, run a company. Uh, it took 10 years uh, as a CFO being there, but uh, in a couple different companies, but uh, eventually an opportunity presented itself I was to run a small company called Alio, which you may know has been taken over by Argonaut Gold now, a Mexican-based gold producer with an interesting project in Guerrero, the same place that I had previously built a mine. So about a year ago, I, I was asked to come back to what was then still called the Sanco as the CEO. And I, I think when you talk about you know, where, where we're headed and where, we, where we, we're seeing ourselves go here over, have gone over the last year is one of the reasons I came back was I saw an opportunity to really transform the company from a project related mind building company into more of a sustainable business. And I think when you look back a year ago when I came and I joined, you know, the company had been the, the mine at that time had been running for three years. Um, if you look back over those three years, there were some challenging times, but the mine actually produced about 300 million in EBITDA over that three year period. You know, there's a, there's a good margin at the Asanko gold mine. The problem was, and, and I certainly heard this from some of our key shareholders when I came back, was that you know we'd reinvested all of that 300 million, and in fact, most of our treasury back into the ground. And so, the plans that were there in front of us, uh, as well, envisioned continuing that investment. You know, they were going to double the capacity of the processing plant, go from a 250,000 ounce producer to a 450,000 ounce producer. It required ore transportation infrastructure. You know, so the foreseeable future in front of our investors was that that was going to continue. And, you know, I had questions like, well, this isn't a real business. You know, you're, you're just taking all the cash flow that's coming out of the mine and putting it back into the ground. When are we going to generate some return for our shareholders? And so we really set about last year trying to change that narrative. And, you know, the company was in a difficult position because it had very little in the way of treasury. You know, we'd run our treasury balance down to below $10 million, which is, Awfully difficult to run a mining a mining company with less than $10 million of buffer in the bank. And as well, we lacked a really a credible direction where the mine was heading. We didn't have a credible life of mine plan that didn't envision you know, a substantial amount of capital. And so I think on the, over the last year, 
we've been able to rectify both of those things. And we really changed, I think, the narrative at the mine site last year, you know, away from just producing ounces to producing cash. And so over the year, as we as we wound down our capital spending programs, and you know, we were able to start generating cash flow, certainly the rise in gold price uh, has helped in the last half of the year to the point where the mine was able to di actually distribute, uh, just make distributions to its shareholders, to the joint venture. You know, in Q4 last year and in Q1 this year, we distributed $65 million, so $32.5 million to Galliano's account. And you know, more of that is coming in Q2. So I think that has helped uh, fix our balance sheet. You know, as I said, we're now sitting with just under $54 million in cash and, and no debt. And uh, during that period, we were also able to come up with a, a plan with our joint venture partner to develop the mine, making the most of the assets that we already had. So we have this wonderful five and a half million ton per year processing facility, treats ore from multiple pits on a, on a wonderful land package in Ghana. Um, you know, we, we've now produced a credible life of mine plan that doesn't envision a lot of capital spending. We've got a 10 year mine life here and we published that in February. And so I think the basis has been reset and uh, now it's onward and upward in 2020. I love that. I love that. So that MBA has paid for itself. Congratulations on that. Because, <laughs> because, no, but that's really important because... My strategy probably to hear that from me. Exactly, exactly. But it's really important. I've had this conversation twice today already where you've got companies who are looking to reinvest any cash they make straight back in the ground or by acquisition, you know, or further OPEX uh, spend, etc. And they, they're in the mining business. They're in the business of, you know, producing ounces. They're not in the business of making money, which all businesses should be in. All businesses. I don't care if you're a sandwich shop or make bicycles or you're a mine. You've got to make money. And people forget to do that. And that's a very common thread in a lot of conversations that we have with mining CEOs and um, uh, investors in the natural resources space where people forget that component. And I guess that's where the kind of lifestyle accusation is thrown at some companies. Um, and big producers also forget this. So I think, so I, if you don't mind, because you touched upon a few different threads there, and, and, and I like that big segue from what the plans were to where you are, to the mentality, I think you said, at the mine site, as well as throughout the, you know, make it pervasive throughout the organization to understand that it's about making money. So, and it's easy to say, oh, we kind of changed a few things around, but what did you actually do? What, what actually changed from then to now? Because it doesn't happen overnight. No, it doesn't. It requires some careful planning, really, is what it boils down to. And, it, you know, mining's a difficult business. It's a capital-intensive business that is an industry where we don't control the price of your product. So, you know, that makes it awfully challenging through various cycles to be able to run a business successfully. So you have to understand what's coming and plan for it. And I think that's something that, you know, over the last year, the biggest shift that we've made is, is away from again, just focusing on ounces and focusing on trying to generate cash flow at a reasonable gold price. But bearing in mind that you are going to have to make investments. We do have a tailing storage facility that we need to that we need to raise every second year. We do have pits that require pushbacks and access to ore or an open pit mine, but the same would be said for an underground mine where you need to keep up with your development. So, you know, the, the opposite mistake can often be made where you shift into harvest mode too quickly and you and you you don't do enough uh, capital spending you don't do enough development work to be able to keep the, the to really maximize the benefit of your asset in the ground which is 
really, I think the objective of the mining company is to make money uh, continuously, but realize that you're also trying to maximize the benefit of what's a, you know, once-off natural resource that you have to use the most effectively as you can to generate profits for your shareholders. Okay, so. Uh Okay, I, I just love that. Okay, first of all, um, you've also distributed cash back to shareholders in, in the form of dividends, 65 million bucks, not insignificant amount, that you kind of set an expectation there. So um, we'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how that continues. Hopefully it does continue. Is that the plan? Yeah, so, you know, we're starting, I mean, we're starting to build our, rebuild our balance sheet now at the corporate level where we've received those distributions so that we can, you're absolutely right, starting to return capital to shareholders and shareholders in Galliano now and we, we started that process in November where we committed to buying back our own stock so we you know, we put three million dollars back into the market buying back about three and a half million shares over the last four months um, so that that's some that's a, a meaningful start for the first time to returning some of that capital to shareholders and as we go forward you know as we become more comfortable with our plan um, you know where we now got the we've got produced that life of mine plan in February we uh, absolutely adhered to that plan in the first quarter of this year, and we had the best quarter the mines ever had. You know, record production and record low oil and sustaining costs. Uh, we're on track for another good quarter in Q2, so that'll be the second quarter that we delivered onto that plan. And I think it's very important that we keep doing that for the balance of the year so that we can look at a more sustainable way of returning capital to shareholders at the right time, like a like a, a sustainable dividend policy, for example. Okay, but you've now also created a problem for yourself, haven't you? Because... You've got cash. What are you going to do with the cash? Because yes. if it sits there and does nothing, it's just cash. So people have expectations about the well, the optionality which you've now given yourself by obviously restructuring the balance sheet, but sitting there on this kind of free flowing, free flowing cash machine that you've got. But you can't, you know, one dollar's worth one dollar. What are you going to do with that cash to create a creative value for shareholders going forward? Because you're a big company now. You're whatever, you're 250 million bucks. So. You know, you're you're up there. It's get, it gets harder and harder to grow. So, what's the plan? Yeah. So, I think at this stage, you know, we we really over the last year we had to fix the things that we talked about already before we could even contemplate what was next. And you know, now that we've got to that stage where we've got a credible plan in front of us, we've got really two initiatives. And I think the first is, you know, the plan that we put together, as I said, making the most of the assets that we have is 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 very credible. We can deliver on that plan. It's a decent life of mine plan, but we're really now focusing on this the three to five year strategic business plan at the mine. And that's the, this planning that I talked about to be able to consistently deliver free cash flow. You have to be thinking ahead more than just your annual budgeting cycle. And that's not something that we had actively in place. So we've been really trying to, to, to formulate that three to five year plan. And we've got two ways we can make that plan better. Um, than, than what's in the public domain now. And the first is through driving our cost down. And as I said earlier, you know, mining is a business where we don't control the price of our product. So you have to be focused on costs. I think our business was set up to be, uh, you know, as I said, a capital spending business where we were going to you know, looking to be a half a million ounce a year producer. So there's a lot of efficiencies that we can bring this year and we're targeting a reduction in our all-in sustaining costs of $100 an ounce, which is meaningful. I know that's put in perspective, that's $25 million a year in operating cost savings. And so there's a number of initiatives that are happening there that will involve us potentially reinvesting some capital in certain things, upgrades to uh, to some of our processing plant, et cetera, to try and bring those costs down. But predominantly it's around savings and how we handle materials. So 
uh, very, again, very uh, limited amount of capital required to capture these savings. But the second aspect we are gonna reinvest the money in is in exploration. And I, I do think that, um, you know, when we're looking at a, a, a plan here with a 10 year mine life, you know, I, I can, I, I do sometimes get the comments of, well, why, why do we need to do a lot of exploration when we've got 10 years of mine life in front of us? You know, why don't we just get a little further along the track? But the reality is the exploration we're talking about is, is not just to add years to the back end of the mine life. Now that will happen, of course, when you find more ounces and develop more reserves, but it's, it's really targeted at our three to five year business plan and to make it more profitable. So to have better margins, to try and find ounces that are more economical than the ones that we have in our mine plan now. And so as some of our pits get more mature, you know, the ounces get deeper, the pushbacks required get bigger. It's not that they're not worth doing and it's not that they're not uh, profitable at $1,300 gold, but we've got a tremendous land package here with the ability to find some more profitable ounces that are close to the mill that we can get access to in the near term and fit into the mine plan, not at the end, but in 2022 and 2023. And again, just focusing on trying to make the business better, not trying to uh, spend money just to produce nice drill results. That, that'll be a nice consequence of it. And hopefully the market gets excited about it in a good macro environment here, but it's, it's really around making the business better. Okay, so you've switched the business model into one that understands it's about making money. So great, I get that. Cutting costs, absolutely, of course, what you should be doing, but there's only so far you can go with that, okay? There's a point at which the process is in place and hopefully nothing goes wrong and you can maintain an ASIC, which is, you know, whatever target you're aiming for. 100, 100 bucks is, I say, it's, it's, that's a big deal, it's a meaningful deal, but there's a point at which it's optimized and you, you, you know, you, there's no point in spending time optimizing any further because it's just disproportionate returns, right? Second, exploration. You are sitting on a, la a large land package. What do you know about what you've got at the moment? What, what's the potential that's that's in there? Have have holes been drilled? Have you got data? What do you know? Yeah. So over the over the first three years of commercial production, you know, the company really did very little in the way of what I would call meaningful exploration, i.e., drilling. But that's not to say that they didn't uh, do a lot of work on prospectivity. And so, you know, combining the works of the many operators that have worked on this gold belt over the years into a proper prospectivity analysis or a database of all the layers of soil geochemistry, airborne geophysics, um, analyzing all those layers of data collectively as one data package is something that we did spend a lot of time on to get ready to be able to do exploration. And we just never had the balance sheet to commit to being able to do it. So. Now that we're there, we've got a commitment there for, for $10 million a year, $10 million for this year, pardon me. Um, certainly um, success driven. If there, we have success, there's certainly the ability to divert, divert more funds into that if we see it's worthwhile. And we're really looking at three areas of, of exploration where we see tremendous potential to add to the business case here. First and foremost is uh, over four years of mining. You know, we've been averaging about 250,000 ounces a year, call it of, of depletion from the reserve base. And so that's a million ounces of reserves that are gone. Um, and we've, we've never really made any effort to try and replace those reserves. So first and foremost, in and around some of the pits where we're currently mining, we've already made the infrastructure investment. We already have roads. We already have truck shops established at the pits, et cetera. Very little, obviously we're mining there now or we will be in 2021 on some of these about half of our budget is going into drilling in and around those pits. And so we're very confident that we're gonna have the ability to 
replace uh, depletion in our program right now. We've got four drills turning. We've got a 38,000 meter drill program planned. Uh, the results are coming. Uh, right now we're focused on in and around the pits where we're mining. And uh, we believe that we can replace depletion with the program we've outlined for 2020 and 2021. So call it roughly half a million ounces of additional reserves that would allow us to just keep running those pits, to just keep going, to keep mining there. It doesn't and it effectively pushes out some of our higher cost ounces in the middle of our mine plan. That, that's interesting. Second, Sorry, sorry was there a third? That was, and then second, I was still, uh, yeah, second is we do have one, our main pit, NCRAN, which is where we've been mining ore for the last four years. It's been the main source of ore. It's gone through two phases of production. Um, we've got a third phase uh, to access there. There is about 600,000 ounces of reserves, but it does require a fairly substantial pushback. Again, worth doing at, uh, at $1,300 gold, which is where we stated our reserves. Certainly very attractive at $1,700 gold, but it does consume some of our cash flow over the period of, it's scheduled to start in late 2022. And uh, it'll take about a year and a half to get in there and really access those reserves. So what we're targeting with our second half of our exploration program this year is we do have one particular trend, which we think can be a new deposit. It's located about six miles or 10 kilometers south of the processing plant. It's called Tontachrome Miradani. It's a ground that we acquired from Anglo a few years ago. It's about a three kilometer long, two mile long trend of mineralization. We've got some drill holes into uh, the Tontachrome area in particular. You know, we believe that has a meaningful a capability to defer NCRAN cut three for some period of time. Um, which is again maybe even replace that 600,000 ounces or push that 600,000 ounces of reserves out. So, so really, as I said, we're we're looking at exploration on those two prongs of not necessarily in, in in elongating the mine life. It will naturally do that, but making that three to five year business plan uh, better. And by better, I mean more economic. And then finally, you know, with this land package, there's 21,000 hectares of ground here. We own the majority of the Sanka Grawa Gold Belt. That's where the name uh, Sanko Gold Mine comes from, a shortened version of that. And uh, you know, it's it's largely been unexplored. We do have these targets that we're working on this year that we've delineated, but we've also got some more greenfield potential to you know, what's going to be our next. As you know, our mine is anchored by two main deposits, Encran to the south and Asasi to the north, where our 2.4 million ounces of, of resources uh, reserves for me sit. Um, what's finding the next at Asasi or the next Encran? So. We are doing a bit of background work on that this year. It's not expensive work, but it's it's more uh, groundwork to prepare for an eventual drill program. So I think the answer to your question, the, 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 we're going to be mining gold here for, for a long time. Okay. I guess it comes back to cash is a wonderful thing. It's giving you lots of optionality. You, I'm going to ask the question. I can't imagine that you, well, I think I know the answer, but do you feel under any pressure whatsoever from any of the institutional shareholders, which you know, it seems to be somewhere in the region of about 60% of, of, of your um, shareholder register. Are, are they asking you to move quickly? Because expiration is, obviously it's cheap, but it's slow. I appreciate you sitting on a large land bank. Do they want you to go and raise some more money, do some M&A and get, get some scale to what you're doing? Um, there's a cost to that. And I think, uh, I think I know the answer, but uh, wh what's the conversation with institutions been like? Yeah, so first on the exploration front at the Asanko Gold Mine, I think, you know, we, there, there always is, you know, I think could be a case for, for putting more money into exploration, particularly given the amount of cash the asset is generating. 
you know, right now we've got a meaningful program where we've gone from essentially doing no drilling for a period of, you know, five or six years while we built the mine and got it into production to ramping that up to what's quite a lot of activity. You know, there's there's a, there's a significant amount of drill core coming out here or drill rigs turning full time with a fifth one arriving. That's a big step up and we want to make sure that we, you know, make them make create the most value that we can from those exploration results. Might we amp it up further? I suspect it's probably possible, but I think that'll be success-based. So let's see how this first round turns out. We're starting to get some nice results from some of the drilling already. We'll be publishing those to the market here and certainly in Q3. And uh, there could be a good business case for, for doing more exploration, you're right. Um, now, when we look at what other things might Galliano uh, do, which is I think where you're getting to with all of this, is certainly, um, you know, I think as we go back a year, one of the reasons coming back here was I did see that we have the potential to create a sustainable business. And by sustainable business, I, I, do, I do believe that in mining, you do have to have more than one asset running. You know, we talked about, you know, the, the pushback of the NCRAN pit, the capital reinvestment. We talked about mining being a capital intensive business, whether it's open pit or underground. There's cycles of development capital that need to be spent on operations. And if you only have one mine, and you mistime that cycle with, it coincides with a with a rise in gold price where you're actually putting all the money back in the ground, it can be challenging. So you can see um, the, the case to have two or three businesses that are running where you can plan those cycles properly. You can get generate sustainable cash flow across all of the metal price cycles that are reasonable. And that's where you can have a sustainable dividend returning capital to shareholders. So, um, you know, the intention certainly of coming back here was to do that, to create a sustainable business. and. Uh, we don't have to be in a hurry to do it. We're certainly not under any pressure from our institutional shareholders to go and run out and do something. Mm. But I think the way we look at M&A is perhaps a bit different than maybe when I went and worked at Placer Dome in the early 2000s, where you know getting bigger for the sake of getting bigger was very important. Um, because companies traded at two times NAV, no one really ever cared whether the mine generated cash flow or not. They just looked at how, how fast can you build NAV? Um, you know, there was incentive to just continue to do deals. And uh, that's certainly not the case, and it's, it won't be the case here. We're over, you know, from, my, from our perspective, any acquisition that we look at doing, whether it's a merger, whether it's acquiring a producing asset um, from a major, would, be, would only get done if it makes our business better. So that's, that's the rationale that we use when we're trying to look at these things. Okay. Well, I like the fact that there's a rationale. Uh, to all of this, because sometimes people just, you know, wander from one point to the next, hoping just to survive. So, um, look, I mean, I, I appreciate you've kind of laid out the, the plan there. Um, I think from what you're saying, there's no kind of big moves. This is about getting what you've got done right, not going crazy with the money that you've got. Again, we see that where people get money and then they feel they've got to go and do something big. Uh, but that doesn't sound like it's your uh, modus operandi. That certainly doesn't have to be. I think that's the point. Is it? You know, I think you have to be in, in this in this industry. You know, there are not a lot of opportunities that are available. So I think you have to be continuously working on looking at opportunities. And you know, sometimes when the opportunity presents itself, you need to be ready. And uh, so that that's more our focus is continually evaluating things, looking at things that might make sense to build art to strengthen our business. And uh, if the opportunity presented itself, I'd certainly think that we'd like to take advantage of that. And I think we've got the capability now and we're, you know, we're positioned with, uh, 
bit of a refresh management, uh, refresh board of directors where we've changed out some of our key directors and, and you know, we've got a, a team here who's looking to build a sustainable business. And so I think uh, when those opportunities come and, and we know they will, um, we'll certainly be ready. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I had noticed this sort of getting a team that's fit for purpose uh, was important. So why, why, I mean, exactly, the name change, but changing the management team, are you, are you trying to you know, build a company in your own image? I mean, what, what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the thought process here? Yeah, so the name change, I think, is, is reflective of predominantly two things. Is that, um, you know, firstly, there is a refresh board in management here, and it is nice to turn the page. And, it, you know, we think it reflects the change in philosophy, you know, away from the messaging of we're going to continue to invest capital and build the Sanko gold mine into something in an enormous entity to an entity that's focused on running a sustainable business and generating cash flow. Uh, that certainly is a shift and, it, and you know changing the name helps change turn that page in that history and there's also an element here though of practicality that um you know we we rightly or wrongly uh, named the mine the asanko gold mine uh, as i said the mine is a 50 50 joint venture now between goldfields and galliano uh, when the company was named asanko gold and you're trying to explain to new shareholders that uh, yes we operate the asanko gold mine but that's a joint venture and Sanko Gold Inc. is separate. It, it, that messaging was, was sometimes uh, difficult to convey. So I think this also tidies up that story quite nicely um, so that if we eventually have more than one asset, you know, it's clear that Galliano is, is, the, is a corporate entity. We operate the Sanko Gold Mine in Ghana, and that's a joint venture between ourselves and Goldfield. So it also tidied that up nicely. Okay, and again, so what would you say to people looking at this project? And you, your existing shareholders, are, I guess, they've got to be pleased. Um, you had a bit of a dip, like everyone else, you know, March time, but you're you're starting a, a, a bit of growth in the share price. But what type of company are people buying into here? Your dividend paying, great, unusual, but without the kind of growth story to it, the, you know, the the speed at which the growth story um, actually happens do you think the shares can continue or is it just going to be a steady steady growth or flatlining going forward Where, where's the excitement come from yeah if we look at the excitement in terms of the equity valuation as it sits now i think that there's still you know plenty of room to go here i mean this is a very strong macro environment for gold i don't think galliano has fully re-rated into that macro environment you know i think there was some there the, you know the main pushback that we get beyond as you say our our institutional shareholder base. You know, if you look at four or five names, um, they control 60% of the of the issued and outstanding shares. Now, those are very stable shareholdings, good support of shareholders who who are, you know, have been long supporters of the business and really like the direction we're taking the company. But how do we get those new names into the business? How do we create an exciting story for what's coming next? And that's, I think, still has some room to run and quite a bit of room. In fact, um, and I do think that delivering. Is something that you know the company didn't do well over the first three years of commercial production, and I think you know we're in the we're slowly recovering from that now. You've started to see, you've started to see volumes increase on both New York and in Toronto. You've started to see a lot more investor interest in the story. Um, we are still seeing though a lot of wait and see. You know you've you've you said you were going to produce a life of mine plan that shows low capital and ten years of mine life. Let's see that. Okay, we delivered that in February. Now, that was only a few months ago. You said you were going to produce uh, this year between 225 and 245,000 ounces of gold at 1000 to $1,100 an ounce. Let's see you do that for 2020. And so we've had a great first quarter. 
we're having another good second quarter. So I think there, there's an element of steady, steady here. We'll start to attract some new, uh, new investment, and there will be some excitement around just doing what we said we were going to do. I think in this market, some exciting exploration drill results are not going to hurt. Let's face it. That's not the reason we're doing it, but sprinkling on some really nice exploration intercepts on top of what is a story of a mine delivering into its uh, guidance, I think will be powerful for 2020. Okay, Greg, thank you so much for running through that story. I like this. The, the, it's not quite slow and steady. I think it'll be a bit unfair, but cons consistent and robustness to the plan. Uh, we like uh, the three cash flows, obviously very attractive for, for anyone. And we look forward to maybe catching up with you and understanding when you start delivering more of these, these targets that you're aiming for. And uh, hopefully you can accelerate the exploration plan somewhat. Absolutely. Well, let's look forward to that success in Q3. And uh, you know, thank you very much for having me. I think it's been a great introduction and I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.